Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. We are just a couple of weeks away from kickoff, where the Frogs are taking off, taking on Arkansas Pine Bluff. We've got a quarterback race that may or may not be settled, not publicly, but possibly privately. We're going to dig into listener questions, injury updates, that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. To begin, we want to thank our sponsor, Teen Life, an organization in DFW that goes out of their way to support the lives of junior high and high school students, empowering them and equipping them so that they can make responsible decisions for their life and secure a successful future. We want to encourage you to go to teenlife.ngo. You can find ways to volunteer at one of the many schools in DFW and beyond or make a non or, or make a tax-deductible donation. Teenlife.ngo, great organization. We are glad to support it here at Frogcast. Jeremy, I just have one question for you. Why do you inflate expectations? <laughs> if you are not a member of our board, which you should be, fix that right now, go to hornfrogblitz.com and sign up. We've had a lot of banter and a lot of back and forth about Jeremy sharing essentially what Coach Patterson says, confirming it through other sources, and confirming it through uh, some authoritative sources, and yet there is a lot of pushback. Uh Jeremy, I know you work hard on this, and I know you don't take this personally. Uh, man, I'm a pastor. I don't I don't take crap people say about me personally. Uh, but I got to tell you, uh, what do you think about all of the back and forth and the banter and the anxiety? That's the better way to put it. How do you summarize? How do you summarize the anxiety that is taking place in Horn Frog fans right now? Is the quarterback battle is kind of crystallizing, and it looks as if it's going to be K State transfer Alex Delton. Well, you had a lot of talk when Alex first transferred and, and, and really he became the, the guy that nobody wanted. Uh, and then you had, uh, the fan, the, the fan base for Justin, obviously Justin's a fan favorite because of what he's been through and where he's at. You have the fan base for, for Max and you have the fan base for Mike. And then you had the Baldwin fans that when he transferred from Ohio State, I, there's things like some people, if you have expectations, there's pretty much nothing he's going to do to convince you otherwise. It's just, you know, you have so much hearsay and, and for me, you guys know me. I've, I've covered this team for a long time. I don't just talk to one person and say, oh, heck, man, that's that's got to be true. I'm verifying a lot of stuff when I talk to people. If someone tells me Alex Delton looks good, I'm not just talking to that one person. I'm talking to multiple people. But it, it's just fun to me how things get changed. You know, one person says, well, I heard he didn't throw anything downfield. And I literally saw with my own eyes him throw the, the ball downfield. That doesn't mean that he completed a 50-yard bomb. I'm just saying he threw the ball downfield. So, it, it, it just goes to a lot of hearsay. There's the season's got to start soon. I mean, it, people are just, they're, they're, they're cringe, cringing. And every time I do another date, people are hanging on it. And if I get it wrong, they're ready to slam me because I'm the messenger. Jeff, have you ever had, uh, be, being in a crowd, you've had some pretty good sermons. I, I would, I would bet to say, I, I bet you're a really good guy to listen to and that you that you go through a sermon pretty good. But there's probably been some times when you didn't have such good sermons or you didn't feel like after you got done that that was really good, that you might have stumbled over everything and, and you just didn't have a really good presentation. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had that? Uh, you know, I've been preaching since I was 21 and I'm 44 now. And yeah, I've had like two or three bad sermons. So yes, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. So that's that's what drives me nuts. Is like, you know, last year we're talking about – People were saying Sean wasn't turning over the ball. Gary Patterson was even saying it to the media. He was protecting the football. And then we all saw what happened. So what I said about him in, in fall camp and what Gary Patterson said, all, all of a sudden was a lie. And that's that's what irks me because they people spin it. The, the unintelligent people spin it 
to, 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 to fit their agenda. Just because he's turning the ball over in the season doesn't mean he turned it over in fall camp. Things do happen. Things do happen that all of a sudden a player gets bad. We saw how bad the offensive line got last year when Cordell uh, got hurt and he was out for a long time and, and how bad the offensive line played. But all I'm saying is, man, the season's got to start fast because I, I, I can't wait. If Alex Delton does good, that's that's what I expect because a lot of people have said he's done good. If he does bad, I'm ready for people to pounce on me. But if you're going to pounce on me, get ready to I, – I, I would like to invite you to pick up your phone and be brave enough to call TCU football offices and complain to them too. Uh, because they're the guys that watch practices all the time as well. And so when when I hear so many things coming from outside the program, uh, I, I tend to believe them. They're not just going to fill me and say, well, Alex Delton's looking great. Uh, but in the meanwhile, he's really not doing very well at all. So just just take it with, with a grain of salt. I'm, I'm relaying what I'm hearing. And, and from everything that I've gathered, Alex Delton's the guy. I mean, if you watch that video – Billy Wessels posted a video yesterday, and I asked specifically to Coach P, has anyone started to separate themselves? And go to that answer and watch what he says. He stops himself short before he names Alex as starter, but then he goes back and says, you can tell Alex has played a lot of football. Do you think he says that based off a guy that was only throwing the football behind the line of scrimmage? I'm going to go with no, and I'm going to go with uh, your reporting is, is is accurate in terms of what you're being told. Now, there are people. Let me let me play the devil's advocate here. What if what if you're being told that, and people are telling you that because they want to cause a little. Uh, they want people to think Delton is a starter. Are they doing any – it's not above the staff to, to say one thing and then something else to be true, not in terms of lies but in terms of misdirection because if I tell you I'm telling Purdue, is there any truth – might there be a shred of truth to the idea that this is uh, this is the message they want you to be putting out? Absolutely. That you're the 100% no. There is no way – number one, they're not going to – People that I trust and, and that trust me aren't going to make me look like that. They're not going to make me look like a fool. They're not going to use me as a pawn. That is just, if anyone thinks that, I mean, I feel sorry for you. And and maybe people hate me because uh, I they think I'm arrogant, but I do get arrogant when people try to call me out. And people have tried to call me out on a lot of stuff, whether it's Killer Frogs or whether it's our late 20s to early 30s members on the board that have been around for you know, four or five years that haven't been there uh, for as long as some other guys have the guys that always back me up. But I would, I would, I would tell you right now, there is, there is no chance it's, it's a, uh, you know, hidden trick or anything like that to try to fool the masses or opponents. I tell you right now, and I'm not going to break it down percentage wise, but I do know that Alex Delton has the top completion percentage in, in fall camp and it's not even close. So uh, the the term I'm given when uh, when you have to have a quarterback make good decisions, he's making the best. He's got the best wiggle out there. He 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 moves moves great. Mike Collins was having a good camp. Obviously, uh, he was in the booth the other day. Uh, I've been told it's not anything real serious that he should be back at practice. Max Duggan had a good practice on Saturday. He got a chance to actually work with the first team uh, a couple times. 
And I, I still think that by the middle of the season that we will see Alex Delton and Max Duggan as the top two quarterbacks. Justin, again, you can go, if you don't want to believe me, you can go back and watch that video Billy posted because some people think as writers, we just take out and put in what we want to put in. And that's not the case. We asked about Justin. We asked about the speed and coach P said, we're not running sprints. So I don't know how fast he is. And then he came out and said, it's really the decision-making on his part. So I understand the people that have the, 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 the thoughts of, well, Dwayne Haskins wasn't a, uh, dual threat quarterback either, but he was a first round pick. And I've said this a hundred times, Justin's not where Dwayne was as a decision maker and, and getting rid of the ball, making those decisions fast enough. So uh, even if Justin was completely healthy, it's, you still have that factor right there. And, and, and again, coach P came out and said that on Saturday. So I, I don't know what else to tell you guys. I mean, if, if, if I'm right, I'm not going to gloat in y'all's face about it, but uh, I, I will be arrogant to the sense of when people call me out, you're damn right. I'm going to respond. Well, let's go ahead and put you on the hot seat here. Daniel, I want to ask you, who is a more uh, by the book, straight laced reporter with integrity, Jeremy Clark or Mac Engle? Integrity. Oh, gosh, oh man. Between those two. Um, Obviously, it's uh, Jeremy. Um, Daniel says that so convincingly. Y'all are going to get me. Get, I'm going to get a message on Twitter from someone saying we're talking. Just know this, Jeff. This is not me doing this with, with Mac. I, I've, I've been up front with you guys. I respect Mac. Mac's never done anything wrong to me. You know, I, you know I've said this before that – I'm not a big fan of Max articles, but I know he's actually a really good guy. So I will just uh, I was just teeing up my friend there, Daniel, because he has, he has some thoughts as well as some other message boards have some thoughts about Max. So teeing up, I mean, and then you backpedal on me like that. So I'm out here on an island. <laughs> That's what good and y'all have covered do. your butts. That's what good corners yeah. do, Daniel? They could play on an island. Speaking of corners, <sighs> did 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 I ever say anywhere that Noah Daniels' loss was not big? No, because I read every dang thread on that board, and I have not seen you say that. So if you I, have, I was I was told that I said Noah Daniels' loss wasn't big because I called him a reserve. To me, if you're not starting, you're a reserve. You're a backup. Is that is that fair? That is accurate in my in my. You're okay. you're uh, to quote my favorite theologian, Reese Bobby. If you're not first, you're last. So if he's not a starter, he's a reserve. You can you can tell that people are very antsy to get this football season started because if they're nitpicking at me saying that I'm just calling Noah Daniels a reserve because that's what he is. He's the backup. He wasn't going to beat out Julius or, or uh, Jeff, but yeah, I, I know it was a big loss. Guess who asked the question to coach Patterson about it being a big loss? Mac Ingle. Nope. I'm raising my hand. You can't see me, but I'm raising my hand, but you can go back and watch that video. I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving the Billy should write me a thank you note. Cause I'm telling people to go watch his video because there's a, there's a lot of things that could be explained perfectly, but I but I would gather a bet that no one's going to take time to make make themselves look like they were wrong. No, I, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. So let's go ahead and pivot off of the axe grinding here, which I which I'm the one that set up. So I'm the one that insisted we talk about this. So I'll yeah, I was just fine, and then you brought all I this brought it all up. I did. I'm that guy that just won't <laughs> let sleeping dogs lie. I'm going to bring it all back up, but. 
thanks for your hard work, Jeremy. We appreciate what you do, and we do have a high view of you. So moving right along, uh, you kind of summarize what's going on in the quarterback race. Uh, we've got Alex is, is clearly the front runner. Um, right now, Max is number two because, uh, like you said, Mike Collins is in a boot. We'll see where he's at in a week. Uh, we'll see what that does to set him back. Max has got an opportunity to solidify that number two spot. Um, so let me, I, I guess I'll just ask this question about quarterback race. If Alex stays healthy, is there any way that Max Duggan's red shirts? No, I don't think so. I think I think the time is now to get him to get him out there and get this program. Uh, it, they've got they've got a chance to win a lot of ball games this year, and I think if you can have an, a healthy Alex Delton play as much as he can and have Max Duggan there right behind him and, and come in and you know, some, some good situations, get him some experience. You're, you're moving forward with your quarterback for the next three years, in my opinion. So uh, the only way I think Max would actually redshirt is if Mike is good enough and proves that he's healthy enough uh, to, to beat out Max. And, and right now it was kind of a neck and neck race. All I could tell you is that from the very beginning of spring or fall camp, sorry, fall camp, the pecking order for the guys taking the reps has not changed. Alex is taking the reps first. Mike's taking them second. Max third. Justin's fourth. And then with Mike being out, it was Alex. And then I saw Max taking snaps with the first team. And then you had Justin. And then Matthew Downing. Baldwin was actually suited up the other day, but he wasn't practicing yet. But he he was in full gear, which was uh, pretty good to see. So he, he'll be ready to go here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, September 1st, I think, is when they said it, it's going to be ready for him to get out there. But uh, I, I think for the most part, you, you've got to at least see what Max can do as a true freshman just because you want to build for the next few years as well. That makes sense. We're going to get the injuries here in a second. But one of the things that you could see in the background when they had the the press conference, I did watch that video that Billy posted and saw a lot of pictures that Drew put some up, Dean put some up. Um, the new scoreboard is about to uh, be completed here in the next week or two. And man, that that is a huge scoreboard. It's part of the upgrades. I mean, I know we all wish that the east side would be, be completed by this season, but it's not. But that scoreboard is going to be good to go. Daniel, do you take any comfort in knowing that not only for the last four seasons, but also on the scoreboard figuratively and the scoreboard literally, the Frogs really have Baylor's number? Are you all right with us having a scoreboard bigger than Baylor? And how much longer will it take for Baylor to feel a need to upgrade their scoreboard to be bigger than TCU's? Huh. Well, I hadn't thought about that. Um, Yes, it is nice to have the literal and figurative scoreboard over those clowns. Um, I haven't seen either one in person. Um, so I really, I've only seen pictures, so I don't really have a good feel for how big it is. Um, but as long as it is bigger than Baylor's, that is, uh, well, that's, that's really what matters in life. And, um, how long will it take Baylor? I don't know. Um, I it's it's so big. I mean, you can't do a whole lot more with it, and especially where it is in relation to their field. It's kind of like right there at the end zone, I think, isn't it? Yes, um, I believe so. It's right down there in the end zone. Yeah. I don't know if you could go a whole lot bigger. Like, the only one I've seen that's 
bigger than that. I can't remember what size it was down in Austin, but in Norman, that thing is huge, but it's very, it's like panoramic. It's really wide and not that tall, uh, but it's big. And uh, I don't really, I mean, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like with TVs these days. It's like, how, how much bigger do you got to go? Um, so I think we're probably going to be set for a while. And then Baylor's probably set for a while, and most people are too. I, I think, you, you know, what we had was inadequate. Um, it was from where I usually hang around. It was not that easy to see, and um, for a stadium that size, that's pretty bad. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to uh, getting to check it out. And but yeah, I think that's uh, I think it's about as big as you can go without. And what else can you do? But they probably said that when we upgraded from the one that we had in the early nineties. You know, I was at Best Buy the other day and they had a 70 inch TV for a thousand bucks. And I thought, you know, I probably need to save up my money. I should have got it. <laughs> yes. I think that might be in my future is to get me a 70 inch TV. I've got a, I think I got a 64 inch TV, but I've had that for about nine, eight years here. I need to upgrade. I think it's probably going to be a time. Exactly like a 40 inch. It's just, it's fine for, for what I need from how far I sit from it. But I got like an email from Samsung talking about a new, I think 90 inch 8K TV. Wow. And I'm just like, you know, pretty soon it's going to, the resolution is going to be beyond what we can even see. You know, it's going to be so good that uh, start you can't improve on it. What? You're going to have to start playing video games again. I, I am. I'm kind of getting the urge. Uh, I go back and forth. And then I'll just kind of hunker down. And you won't see me for a while. I'll be playing a bunch of games. Be up all night. And then I'll stop and do something else. I, I can't multitask. I do everything and just one at a time. I'm very sad. Hey, you know the good thing about the, the expansion, that scoreboard and uh, the east side, the shade is there. I mean, I took that. I took a picture around twelve thirty, and the the shade is almost covering the whole upper deck. I need to. I need to get down there. I'm going to be there for the Texas game, but hopefully that'll be a night game. But I'm hoping to to get down there for maybe two, and I want to see what that's like. Hopefully, I won't be there for an eleven o'clock kickoff. But man, I bet that's really going to help for the eleven o'clock kickoffs. And then when you have oh, that two thirty no. game, it'll be great. It'll just it'll be perfect. So I'll tell you this much, man. It is just the way we, it looks when you just walk up to the stadium, and when you're driving uh, on, behind the indoor and in the practice fields, the man it just makes the stadium look so much bigger. And when you're down on the field and just looking up, I mean it's it's just crazy. It, it it's really going to be able to contain that sound in there. Uh, and hopefully with the beer sales and the no in and out policy, coach P gets his wish, which he's, he's behind the beer sales, by the way, uh, because it, he, he knows people are going to have to come in. The the thing that really pissed him off all the time is when people would just leave at halftime and they just take their sweet time coming back in the third quarter. And you'd look on TV, <laughs> be a ton of empty seats, even with a pretty decent game. And that's that's one thing that I think he was he wasn't going to come out and say it too much, but I do know that he's a big fan of the beer sales and the uh, no in and out policy or the new in and out policy that they don't have reentry anymore. So 
it, it, people were asking about that on the board and uh, you can, you can rest easy knowing that coach P is very happy about that. You know, I got to hand it to Jeremiah Donati. He has done a heck of a job. You know, he, he kept coach Dixon. He was able to, uh, you know, see this project. I know it's behind, but you can't blame the AD for the rain. So he's seeing this pl- this project through to completion. And then this is the change that I don't think uh, Del Conte was ever going to make because I think he had, I think he had too too much of a long term relationship with some of the boosters and some of the fans that really did like that in and out policy. And I, I think Donati just said, "Hey, I'm new. I'm going to make a change, and this is what it's going to be." And I'm I'm glad he did it. I'm really glad he did it. I think that that is a a net positive, especially for third quarter, especially for fans that we we need those fans in the stadium. And man, I get that TCU yeah. football games is, are a social event, but then don't you dare complain when we lose by a field goal at, at home in a in a game because every every ounce of energy that is created is a home field advantage. And sometimes I don't feel like TCU has worked to create that home field advantage. And I'm going to lay that at the feet of the fans. It's not the player's fault. I'm laying that at the feet of the fans. So if you love TCU football, don't don't complain to me that you're not now able to walk to the far end of the parking lot, shotgun two cores lights, and comes back and get there with six minutes left in the third quarter. Go shotgun gun five cores lights in the concourse. You can now do that. So I think that that's a great move. I think it's a great move. Yeah, it is to the players' fault if they're not winning. We don't want to sit in there and watch the game. Oh man, you know, you know who doesn't do that? Iowa State fans. You know who doesn't do that? Uh, you know, Oklahoma State fans. I, I mean, I think I think that those are two state two fan bases. Obviously, Oklahoma State's historically, or at least in the last twenty years, better than Iowa State. But I'm a big fan of their fan bases. They are there. They are engaged, and you know, maybe their fans complain online like ours do, or guys like I do, but. You know, you can you can have a great experience and uh, and still have a good time. You can you can cheer for your team, and still have a good time. And, you know, I just want to add this for all the people that were saying it's going to make for a bad family atmosphere. People are already drinking in there, man. I'd rather it's it's, it's like prohibition. You know, it's like, well, alcohol is illegal. So nobody drinks. Yeah, right, man. People are sneaking flasks. And why do you think those guys have boots on with jeans when it's 92 degrees? It's because they got a six pack in each ankle. So now they're able to actually get it above board. Yes, underage people in the student section are going to drink. I'm shocked for you to learn. I'm learning that people are shocked that college students drink beer. But all that being said, I think it's a net positive, And I'm glad they did it. Me too. I always felt we always talk about it in the press box, but I always felt so bad for the players when they run back onto the field in third in the third quarter and there's all those empty seats. And you would have good good teams that they're playing against. It's not like this was against Southern or Grambling State and Texas game or uh, Oklahoma State or Baylor. I mean, there's just I mean, you don't you don't have any excuse for those empty seats. I'm I'm glad Jeremiah stepped up and and is taking a little bit of the social gathering aspect out of this and and making it more of a football atmosphere. Absolutely. And let's just be blunt. We got a little too much country club in our fan base and we need to uh, get, you know, if you're going to get buzzed, stand, stand in your seat and yell. That's what we need. <laughs> we need a, a, a bit more tame version of Good Job Big 12 from a whole bunch of people. So, uh, all right, let's pivot to some injury updates. It's part of the season. It's part of football. You already mentioned Noah Daniels. Uh, who else is, has been bang- – and you mentioned Mike Collins. Who else has been banged up in a real way? I know they said they held a couple guys out of practice for a day or two, but who has been uh, who has been injured that um, might be of concern or curiosity to our fan base? Well, Coach P said on Saturday that Parker Workman and Shamik Blackshear had been held out, but they're supposed to be back on 
Monday or Monday or Tuesday. I think Adam Plant should be back Tuesday. I do know that Ben Wilson, a reserve slash backup linebacker for those listening at home, is is uh, going to be out probably till October. He has an injured foot. He had to have surgery on. Um, and, and right now, that's that's kind of where it sits. He, Coach P said, uh, Montreal Wilson has has missed a couple practices. I don't want to get too much into that, but that is something that I will say keep an eye on uh, as far as when he's back out there on the field. But just understand when I'm telling you this that you did hear mention of it. But I, like I said, I don't I don't want to get too much involved in it right now uh, with with when he's going to be back out there. So. Uh, I, I do know he did mention that on Saturday that he had missed last couple practices. Uh, but other than that, I think everything's pretty good. I mean, they, they keep a guy, a few guys out here and there, just uh, precautionary. Jalen Rager has, you know, he's, he's been able to sit out a couple practices because they know what they got in him. They know they don't have to watch him practice. And it's actually been a good thing because if you look at last year, how much they had to re- rely on Jalen, to, to do stuff for them on offense. It's actually a, a nice change of pace for those guys to come in and, and really be able to prove themselves. Barkley's had a good camp. Trey Heights has had a good camp. Coach P talked about him. Uh, the, the one guy that I was told had a good good uh, practice uh, last week was uh, Tavalet's Hunt. He's, he stepped it up a little bit. So you, you get those guys that really don't have uh, a ton of experience getting more reps with Jalen being out and hopefully that transitions to the football field and, and during the regular season for them to make some big plays. If Jalen does get double or even triple covered and, and they're taking him out of the ball game. So it's good for those guys to work as an offense without Jalen. And that's another thing I heard about Alex, you know, you don't have your top playmaker out there on offense, but the offense was still able to click. So uh, that that's one thing that kind of showed the the program that, Hey, our top offensive guy isn't here, but this quarterback here was still able to move the chain. So that that's that's huge for them. Freshmen, you wrote a piece about freshman breakout players, guys that they're just not going to be able to keep off the field, guys that there's no way they're going to redshirt. One of the guys is D Winters, who you said has been moved up to linebacker. Tell us a little bit about him and then give us a highlight on two or three other freshmen that we need to keep an eye on on this season. Well, I, I think D's going to be your starting linebacker next to Garrett Wallow against Pine Bluff. Uh, if if you look at the the roster right now, you have Montreal Wilson that hasn't practiced. You got Ben Wilson that's going to be out. You have other guys like Jacoby Simpson. They're they're there. They're they're a year older, but they're not as athletic as D Winters. D Winters is an athletic freak. I mean, he was an athlete in high school. Played running black, running back. Played receiver. Played quarterback. Sometimes. I mean, he is he is a just a stud stud athlete. And he's got great speed. He's like a four, five, four, six kid. He's gained a lot of weight, man. He he looks completely different from what he looked like in high school. When I saw him, golly, I guess it was about uh, right at the beginning of the football season last year. I mean, he he looked about one ninety five, but now he is a solid, easy, solid two ten, two fifteen. And they all say he runs really well, and he's really smart. Coach Patterson was talking about how smart of a kid he is. And you can just tell it's that it's that it's that look that Coach P gets when he talks about certain guys. He gets that little smirk about them, and he knows what he's got in him, knowing that he's going to be a pretty good player. Uh, the other guys that he's mentioned, uh, Colt Ellison, which if you guys hadn't picked up, I, I mentioned that a few weeks ago that he was 
completely, not a few weeks ago, but uh, the first practice they had, because I noticed he was out there running around. Uh, he's been cleared from his knee that he injured in high school. That's really good news. And he actually got to work with the first team in the scrimmage on Saturday. He didn't go into great lengths about how well he did, but it was good for him to get reps out there with Shamik being out and Adam being out and Parker being out. Uh, and Wyatt Harris is working at defensive end as well. Josh Foster's the guy that he he kind of sneakily talks about almost all the time. And that's a guy that I've been telling you guys for a long time that they considered the sleeper of the class, the the kid out of Newton. They thought that he was extremely underrated uh, as far as getting interest from other programs and uh, kind of where people had him ranked. I mean, it, it wasn't just 24-7. I mean, a lot of people had him ranked low, but if you watched his film and, and really watched him in that state championship game, that kid was making plays all over the field. He reminds me a lot of Chris Hack, and he's got just really, really good ball skills. And I, I think that's what sets him apart as far as maybe not being the fastest guy out there, but man, his awareness is just so great. And, and they've just spoke, spoken really highly of that kid. So I'd keep an eye on him. And of course you got Max, Max, true freshman. Everyone, everyone seems to forget Max is sometimes true freshman because he's been here since January and everyone's been talking him up and uh, man, he's gained some, I, I saw him running off the field on Saturday and he, he is solid, man. He is he's gained some good weight. He's, he's an athletic looking dude and he's bigger than Alex. He's a little bit, uh, he's, he's six, one, six, two. Alex is probably, you know, five ten, five eleven. but uh, athletically speaking, Justin probably passed the eyeball test the most just how, because of how big he is, but Max would definitely be second. But those guys right there asked about Carter Johnson. I know someone was asking about him. Uh, Gary didn't get too much into specifics about how good he's been playing, but, I've been told by a few people that they don't expect him to redshirt. He's going to be part of that D-line rotation, and and uh, I've heard Zarnell Fitch likes him a whole lot, and it's one of those guys to to keep an eye on. But really, those those guys probably minus Ellison and Harris. I don't I don't think if those other defensive ends are healthy that those guys will see as much playing time. But just keep an eye out for those guys. Yeah, Carter Johnson was who I was going to ask you about it if you didn't bring it up. So I'm glad to hear that uh, you got some feedback on him. Anything else? We're going to move to listener questions. But before we do that, anything else you want to share with us from uh, your notes on the record, off the record, that you can share with our listeners that you think they'd want to know? Because I know this is that uh, antsy time of the year where information is power. I'd love for you to share anything if you got it. Man, I just can't think of anything off the top of my head. I mean, if you got a question that pops up top of your head, just let me know. But I think we got a lot of uh, questions that are coming from the the loyal listeners of the Frogcast, so I'm ready to shoot away on those. All right, let's get to these questions from the loyal listeners of the Frogcast. I'm going to do these pretty quick here. Uh, who's going to be the second? Who's going to have the number two in terms of? Who's going to be number two in terms of receiving yards this season on for the team? Uh, give me Tay Barber. Tay Barber in the slot. That would be great. I'm a- you're writing you're writing all these down so you can post them on the board and so you can say this is what Jeremy says for his predictions and so everyone could come back and bash me when I get them wrong. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm gonna hold you to this like like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I'm gonna hold this to you like like your wife says. Well, back in 1999, you told me that you would always cut the grass on Tuesday, and then you missed this Tuesday in 2018. That's, exactly right. That's what I'm going to say to you. I'm sure your wife does that. So 
that's what I'm going to say to you. That's what I'm going to say to you. All right. Uh, second question. What is more likely to happen? Filming a Gary Patterson closed practice or storming Area 51? You're not going to film Gary Patterson's practice. You better you better do it. I, I found a good place to do it the other day, but I'm not going to reveal that. But it, I, I didn't get any attention, but it, it wasn't it wasn't a, as clear as a picture as you could think. But Don Summer runs around there, and let me tell you, that guy uh, you don't you don't want to be caught filming anything that that you're not supposed to. Fair enough, man. All right, this question I'm not going to ask it in the. I think it's asking in good faith, so I'm going to ask it in good faith. From what you hear about Delton, is it that he's moving the ball well with our offense, or is he just the best we have in a bad quarterback room? I think it's he's moving the ball the best. And as I mentioned earlier, he's got the highest completion percentage of all the quarterbacks. He's making good decisions. I mean, one thing that was told to me, when something's not there, he throws the ball in the dirt. I mean, that's that's what you got to do. You throw it in the dirt or you throw it out of bounds. And and some of the guys, Mike, he's he's not as uh, prevalent as doing it as Max and Justin are, but there was a practice where I was told that Max threw like three interceptions because he tried to force the ball. And and really, that's something that you can't do. Alex is smart enough, he's old enough to know that he can't be making those type of decisions. So when you look at the decision-making, yes, he's he's the best decision-maker they have right now. And, and I can't tell you how many guys I've talked to. And, and the guys I talk to, they don't even know each other. And so it's, it's not like they're all grouping together and say, hey, this is what we're going to tell Jeremy on this day. It's they they don't even know I talk to each other. So it's it, it could be three people. It could be seven people. It just doesn't I, I don't have to just keep telling you guys why I'm saying that Alex is looking the best. Now, he can come out next week and just be horrible. But up to this point, up until August 11th, he's looked good. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't go out next week and just have the worst four practices of his life where he looks completely and, and then that's fine. That, that could happen. I mean, there's, there's no guarantees that he's going to continue to play great. So if you do hear from guys you talk to that Alex is looking at, that doesn't take away the fact that he has looked good up to this point. Okay. So don't send me messages saying that, or calling me out on the board saying, oh, I heard Alex Dalton sucks up until this point, up until if, if, the season started tomorrow. He is 100% the starting quarterback because he is the best of an improved quarterback group. The quarterback group has improved. Gary Patterson even said they're throwing the ball downfield better. Alex Delton has brought something to that competition to make each one of those quarterbacks better. And guess what? Those quarterbacks have probably done the same thing for him. He's competing against pretty good quarterbacks himself. It's probably helped his game a little bit. He's probably probably knows where he was at Kansas state that he didn't make the best of decisions. So, Hey, guess what? It's, it's, it's not as good to force the ball in. They haven't played in as many games as Alex has. He knows better. Now he knows he's, this is a business decision for him. He's not going to be a, a NFL quarterback, but he can be the starting quarterback for a, a big 12 championship caliber team, a, a, a guy that can get them to that place because there's so many good pieces surrounding him. They just need a quarterback that can manage the game and not turn the ball over, and he's the guy that's doing that right now. So on August 11th, August 12th, by the time you guys hear this, if you hear that he had a bad practice on August 14th, that's fine. 
send it to me. If you want to throw it in my face, that's fine. Throw it to me. But I'm just telling you up to this point, when the question was asked, Alex Delton has looked the best. Long enough answer for that's you. a good that's a long good long answer. Uh, continuing with the Delton theme, what quarterbacks in the Big Twelve would he be better than? So I'm just going to name these teams, and you tell me is Alex Delton from what you're hearing better than them? Got a better quarterback than Kansas, correct? Yes. Got a better quarterback than West Virginia because Austin Kendall's not really taking a snap of note. Agree or disagree? Uh, I would say, I would say yes. Better quarterback than Oklahoma State. We don't even know who their quarterback is. Spencer Sanders is a guy that's unproven. I mean, it's just it would just be like Max or Justin Rogers starting for TCU. So yes, better quarterback than Kansas State, where he left. Is he better than? <laughs> well, obviously not. But I mean, it, it, if he couldn't beat out Skylar Tom, it, I, I'm in a no win situation right there. Uh, okay, you know, if I say if I say he is better than. I'm I'm just not I'm not a football realist. Uh, I am going to look at it from perspective. He competed with Skylar Thompson for a couple of years, and Skylar beat him out. So until Alex goes up and, and proves that he can be better at Kansas State than than what Skylar is, then I would say Skylar for right now. Better than Alan Bowman out in uh, Lubbock. See, that's just too to complete for Texas Tech system. I would go. Alan Bowman for TCU system, I'd go Alex Delton. Alan Bowman is a, a incredible passing quarterback, but he's not. He's a statue in the pocket, and that's just not what fits TCU system. All right, so we're going to assume that uh, Jalen Hurts is better. We're going to assume that uh, Brewer is better, and we're going to assume that um, Ellinger Ellinger is better. So what we're really yeah. saying is that Alex Delton is a middle of the pack quarterback in the Big Twelve that is actually doing well in the system that's designed for him. Does that sound accurate? Yeah. What I would question back is where would you rank Jalen Rager and TCU's receivers? Where would you rank TCU's running backs? Where would you rank TCU's offensive line? Now, if you tell me each one of those groups is in the top, because everyone is pretty much a consistent consensus. They all think Jalen Rager's the top receiver in the big 12. Yeah. You have, C.D. Lamb, you got Tylen Wallace, but I think everyone knows no one else makes plays the way Jalen Rager does. So you've got the best receiver in the Big 12 you're throwing to. You've got an experienced offensive line. You're going to be running behind Lucas Niang. is considered one of the top tackles in all of college football. you got Cordell at left guard, who is a vastly underrated guard in my opinion. I think he's one of the best not only in the Big 12 but in the country. Then you got two running backs in Darius Anderson and Shawo that are – two of the better running backs in the big 12. So that's why that, that question to me, like where would I rank him at quarterbacks? Yeah. He's probably middle of the pack, but look at what he's got around him. That's what I've been trying to convince people all this time. It, it's just going to take a guy that manages the game, right? And doesn't make the stupid decisions that an inexperienced player would make. I'm not saying max uh, is a, a stupid player. I think max has, a ton of potential. And, I, and I've been on record on here and on the board that I would I would not be against Max Duggan starting because we all saw what Brock Purdy did against with Iowa State last year and how good he was. So that's the question I would ask back to people that ask that question. Somebody said on our board that a lot of these questions about Alex Delton seem a little combative. Uh, why is everybody oh, so, there is. why is everybody so ticked because- off? 
what what did I say at the beginning of the show? Because people didn't want Alex because of what he was at Kansas State. Plain and simple, they they look at his 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 success or unsuccess or unsuccessful career at Kansas State, and they're trying to figure out how in the heck can a guy that completes barely over fifty percent of his passes come down here and beat a four-star top-rated recruit in Justin Rogers, a four-star top-rated recruit in Max Duggan, uh, a guy like Mike Collins that in limited time last year, we saw, we saw flashes of, of what he could do. Matthew Baldwin, before people even knew if Ma- people were anointing Matthew Baldwin as the starter when he w- wasn't even, he just had surgery and it wasn't even clear he was going to be eligible. So I, I think you, you look at all those things, people just don't want Alex Delton to be the quarterback for those simple reasons, because they see what he did at Kansas state. It's the same thing. Jeff, that we all sat there and watched in 2014 when Matt Jokel announced his transfer to A&M. How many, what was the percent that people guaranteed Jokel was going to win that job because of how bad Trevon Boykin played in 2013? I would muster a bet that it was at least 90% of Frog fans wanted Matt Jokel to be the quarterback, even though he was a backup at A&M. But because he was playing against top quarterbacks, they automatically assumed that he was better than Boykin. Well, guess what happened? Jokel came in. Boykin faced that competition. Jokel being there made Boykin a better quarterback. And that's what I think's happening with Delton. Yeah, he, he was not great at Kansas State. I'm, I'm fully admitting that. But it doesn't take away the fact that he can change some things. We saw Trevon Boykin do it. We saw Kenny Hill go from throwing 12 to 13 interceptions one year to six the next year before uh, I think he threw two in the bowl game. But he, he did a, a much better job of protecting the football. But I, I think people just look at it. They look at this season being a year where they have so many offensive weapons. They got a great, talented defense, athletic defense. And people think this is the year that TCU really needs to to have a chance to, to beat in Oklahoma, to beat Texas and, and win the Big 12 championship. And they simply don't think they can get it done with Alex Delton. But what I've said all along is if Alex Delton's the best quarterback out of this group competing for the job, what makes you think that Justin Rogers or Max Duggan or Mike Collins would be any better if Alex Delton has already beat them in the head-to-head competition? This is where I want to add a comment that you're probably not allowed to say, which is uh, this was supposed to be the year where Omar was playing outside and Sean Robinson was playing at uh, quarterback and uh, Isaiah Chambers was playing defensive end. But there was some knucklehead factor. There was some external forces that were working against them um, and some maybe not paying attention to film that was working against the said quarterback. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that this is also a great reminder that just because someone is a highly rated recruit, and I actually believe stars actually kind of matter. If you're a highly rated recruit, that doesn't mean you're going to work out. And there's three highly rated recruits I can think of right there that uh, did not pan out for TCU. They're not, none of them are at TCU right now. Omar's not coming back right. to TCU. Uh, I'll answer, I'll go ahead. That was one of the questions. I'll go ahead and tell you that right now. Omar Manning is not coming to TCU. It would have been great if Sean was in, was, was locked and loaded and ready to go with a year under his belt with Omar out wide and Isaiah Chambers playing defensive end, but it didn't work out. And this is the best option that we have after a bust at quarterback, which is just hard in the Big 12. And it sounds as if they are making the best of that situation. What I do understand in terms of anxiety around fans is everything else is loaded. 
running back is loaded. Offensive line is loaded. Wideout is loaded. The defense, if everybody stays healthy, is loaded. All I hate the term game manager, but I do like the idea that Alex Delton is going to use his legs, stretch the field when he needs to, and not force turnovers. And if he does that, I think they're going to put themselves in a position to play for the Big 12 title. I, and I agree. And and like I said before, I don't I don't blame people's uh, thoughts on Alex Delton not being a successful quarterback. But I'm also one of those guys that believes that a quarterback can change for worse or for better. I mean, you're talking to the guy last year that after the Ohio State game, I wrote a story saying TCU lost, but they found their quarterback because I thought Sean had a pretty decent game until he started throwing those knucklehead shovel passes. But we did not know what was to come the next week against Texas. I think everyone could pretty much agree Sean had some stupid moments against Ohio State, but that throw to Trey Heights late in the game, you could he couldn't have walked down and handed it any better. And that was a 55-yard bomb through the air. And there was other plays in that game where Sean made that made you think, man, TCU has this this kid's making these plays as a sophomore. He's they they've got their quarterback. But then the next week against Texas, we all started to find out even more. There was more issues involved, uh, and, and Sean wasn't really ready to not turn the ball over, so to speak. So, I, I, I'm not trying to be combative with with people that listen or people that post. I, I, I know it pisses them off because they think I'm trying to shove it in their face because a lot of people were thinking there's no way Alex Delton was going to start and. From spring ball, I was saying the same thing. Hey, Alex, this may be Alex's starting job, and he's carried that over into the fall. Yeah, he's had he's had some bad practices. It's not been perfect. There's there's been times where he's looked like complete crap, from what I've been told. And there's been times where I've got a call and I've said, or people have told me, man, our quarterbacks have got to get better. But then there's been other days where I've got calls that have said, man, Alex is. Alex is the dude or Max is looking great or, you know, you know what? Justin looked great when he had to run vertically upfield. He's not running good side to side, but he's running good uh, north and south. So it, it, it's one of those deals. You just, you got to take everything I'm telling you guys with, with some sort of grain of salt, but also take it to, I'm, I'm listening to people that constantly watch this stuff and, and, and watch the program. And so it's not just me, picking up crap and throwing it against the wall and seeing what sticks. I'm, I'm actually trying to keep you guys informed. And if that's pissing you off because it's not the guy that you want, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you, I, I, I can't help that. But like I said, it's it, for, for now, I, it, it, if the season started tomorrow, Alex Delton by far will be the, the number one quarterback. And, and even Gary said on Saturday that they hope to have this decision. They'll have practices this week. They'll have another scrimmage. And then hopefully, and, and I posted this. It would, I think, it would be Sunday the 18th that they would probably try to have a decision made, and, and I think that's going to be the timeline. If it's not Sunday, it would probably be that Monday or Tuesday following that. Let me chase a rabbit hole with you here. Now that we've got a few years of separation from it all, maybe you can tell us um, maybe some things we didn't know. There's one guy that could have been playing quarterback this year that I really wish we would have played quarter. That I really wish was playing quarterback that I'd love for you to tell a little backstory on. Frog's got an early commitment before the 2014 season even started from Vernon Wooten. And then after the 2014 season, uh, they got a commitment for Derek King, uh, down uh, who's at Houston now, who was uh, 
right. down there in, in out of Houston high, and in and, and, uh, playing high school football in, in Houston. And then he decommitted, had that H-Town takeover thing going and all that kind of stuff. Uh, did they tell us what how that happened? Because King, in this offense, this season, that's the number two team in the Big 12 preseason poll. That's a top 12 team preseason poll. Tell me what you tell me what happened with King and whether he was not given the option of playing quarterback. Tell me if he was told he gets to compete or did he just fall for the Tom Herman Kool Aid and drink it uh, with everything he had? Uh, I mean, he was told that he would have a chance to to play some quarterback, but they looked at him more as a receiver type because if you looked at him, I mean, he he makes a ton of plays in the open field, and I don't think anyone really could have projected how good he was in Houston's offense, but. The last part you said, Tom Herman, I mean, Tom Herman did a really good job recruiting those Houston kids and keeping them at home. And it was it was a hard decision for, for King to make to decommit uh, from TCU to, to choose Houston. But he made a business decision. It's just like uh, the Tristan Ebner kid from uh, Henderson. Him and him and uh, Kendrick Van Zant were both buddies committed to TCU. And he started to see all these decommitments from Baylor and – all this playing time at Baylor, they had the new coach, all these players are leaving because the Art Brow stuff. He made, even though TCU lost a commitment from Ebner, he made a, a actually a pretty good decision because he's been playing consistently for three years now. And people know him around the conference. They, they know he's a, they obviously he's one of the faces of the program down at Baylor. So I think that was kind of Derek's decision too, because he was going to have a path to get on the field quicker at Houston than he, what he was at TCU. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right, last question we had. I already answered it, but Omar Manning is not coming to TCU. You agree with that, correct? No, I mean, he's 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 going through uh, fall camp at Kilgore College right now, so he ain't coming to he ain't coming to Frogville. It, and I know that it was one of those deals. There there were there were some legs to it. Obviously, everyone saw his tweet that he had. A long time ago so it's not again me just picking things out of the air and throwing them against the wall i i asked about that after his tweet got everyone's attention and i was told yeah he's he reached out and he could be talking uh, uh trying to get up to tcu again because that is the one school he could have gone to and, and not had to worry about sitting or uh going to a uh, another big school i mean he since he was a tcu student before he could come back without any penalty that means not having to, not having to sit or anything. If he tried to go to an Ole Miss or Texas or anything like that, he had to wait to get to get his uh, AA and graduate, and he's probably not even going to do that until May. So, with them getting Danny Gray from Blinn, who I think is ultimately a better receiver than than Omar, it, that pretty much shut the door on Omar. And plus, he just kept he he would tell them he was going to come up there then he didn't show then hey i'm going to come up here and then he didn't show then hey i'm going to come up here again then he didn't show so it was writing was on the wall he he wasn't going to come back and he really just didn't want to be back at TCU after all so no telling where he's going to end up now but i do know he's down at Kilgore well, you got to want to be in Kilgore. I'm just going to say that. If you had a chance to be in Fort Worth and you want to be in Kilgore, then that is that is your business decision. So all right, I had some other thoughts about uh, Big 12 predictions, but we've gone 51 minutes here, so we're just going to wait, and we're going to do that on the next episode. We're going to do a whole bunch of Big 12 predictions, TCU predictions, on our next episode as we get ready for Arkansas Pine Bluff. So we are going to bring this episode to a close, unless any either of you have anything else that you want to share with us before we wrap up. 
You sure you don't have any more questions that will piss me off? I, I think I've I've actually exhausted the questions. I, I think I you've been prodding on me tonight. I know I have, you've got a stick. I can feel you all the way from Memphis, just prodding at me, trying to get me hurt. All right, let me check. Let me make sure Twitter doesn't have anything. Uh, I don't see anything on Twitter. Uh, I posted on Twitter. I don't get it. Oh. Uh, just Mike Collins' injury affect the quarterback depth chart? Does it help Duggan? We already answered that. Uh, oh no! Here we well, go. Gary said Gary Gary said the other day if it if he gets back by Wednesday, it shouldn't hurt him at all because he knows the offense really well. But I mean, there are times if a kid is missing practice, you got another kid that's showing he can obviously make some plays, then that could scramble things up a bit. All right, I do have one question. You can't go on a rant on this one. I just need an answer. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Does the volume of injuries since 16 uh, correlate to something amiss in the training and recovery program? Isn't it too much for too long to just say bad luck? The number of season-ending injuries since 2016 is just nuts. Well, this was a good episode of the Frogcast. You guys, uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> Oh, so you're, you're no, gonna, I don't get it. I don't get into the conspiracy of all that. No, I, I don't, I don't believe in it. It's just some like, I mean, it wasn't Don Summer's fault that Cole Bunce got ran into while he's riding his moped. I mean, I mean, I guess you could say that he was hauling a dumbbell or something and blame it on Summer, but I mean, some of these, or was it <laughs> pretty good monotone right there? Dan. Who was driving? Was it Summers? <laughs> I have no idea. It was Luger. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I think we're going to bring this show to a bourbon. That's me. We're going to bring this show to a mercy. That's me. <laughs> That's right. I had. I thought I had it on mute, and then you stopped talking, and oh. I had to start talking and spit my ice back in the cup. So that's me. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we're going to bring this show to a merciful end. If you made it 54 minutes and you heard me uh, sipping on my bourbon, then God bless you. God bless you. If you heard that, no. If you heard that comment that you heard my ice go back into my bourbon, uh, tweet us or send me a message on the board or send me a message on Facebook, and we will answer your question on the next show. If you heard my bourbon, drop your message, you know, drop your question, and I guarantee we'll answer your question next week on the broadcast. Hopefully you can get it. Ri- you can get rid of that hundred fifty dollar gift card from Heim. I mean, do something with that thing. Hey, I'll take it, man. <laughs> okay. Well, if you haven't yet, please go on iTunes and subscribe. We would love for you to give us a rating and review. This way, this podcast will drop right into your feed every Monday morning, easy to listen to on your way to work. Also, we would love for you to join us at hornfrogblitz.com. It's a great way to stay connected. And obviously, there's a lot of high-minded commentary on our website, as you have heard this week. Get on there with a lot of other anxious TCU fans. This is the time of year where football cannot get here soon enough. The problem with football season is it's so short, and you want to be online in a social you know, in a social network with people that care about TCU football the way that you do. Subscribe to the Frogcast and join Horn Frog Blitz. So for Jeremy Clark... And for Daniel Southern, I am Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast.